Hello and welcome to Plan Francisco, the new podcast that interviews the best and brightest financial planning professionals in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm your host, Maxwell Schmitz. I need a plan, a magic key. Today, my guest is Autumn Cruz with Cruz Financial Strategy. Autumn is a fee-only financial planner with a unique hourly model. She grew up on welfare and now specializes in personal finance. Autumn's first principle, to always do right by her clients, shines through each moment of this episode. Pay special attention to her philosophy on budgeting, informed by her fascinating lifelong relationship with money. Working with Autumn is a breath of fresh air, and I hope you enjoy as much as I did. Autumn Cruz, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Sure. So why don't we start off by just letting you describe what it is that you do. Okay. Well, I do a few things, but the one that's my favorite probably is helping people figure out what will happen if they do this versus what will happen if they do that, financially speaking. I like that. So you can decide if you want to do a terrible, terrible thing financially, but at least you know going in what the results are likely to be. So it's like an if-then analysis kind of for what you're doing. Awesome. Something very scientific about that that I that well, I can gives appreciate. Gives people some information because otherwise they're just sort of hoping. Right. Or worse than that, they might be going off what the salesperson or realtor tells them is likely to happen, and they're often wrong. Sure. Or you know, in some cases, they know that they're headed for a disaster, and they just put the blinders on and have their head down. You know, that's kind of scary too, right? Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about your practice? So maybe more about the day to day, or about you know maybe some case examples of of how you've helped people in the past. Well, there's three things that I do, three groups that I work with for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest ones, one of the biggest things that I do is uh, help people figure out when they're thinking about retiring, mm-hmm. what it is that their retirement can look like. Mm-hmm. Are they able to go half time first? Are they able to quit completely? Yeah. Um, if so, what's it going to cost them? Right. Um, especially if they decide to quit before Medicare, what's yeah. that going to cost them? Right. Um, and what should they be thinking about as far as transition money if they decide they're not going to take their Social Security yet? They're going to have to pull it out of their savings probably um, and how to make that work out for them. Gotcha. So, okay. And people have big plans when they retire. They don't sit on the rocking porch, uh, rocking, on the porch doing the rocking chair too much in the Bay Area. They decide that they're going to retire and go count yellow rumped warblers for <laughs> minimum wage or something. You know, they're, they're amazing. So the question is, do they need to earn a little bit of money while they're doing that? And sure. I strongly encourage people to earn money even if they don't need it because I feel like volunteers are treated more poorly than people who are paid mm-hmm. even minimum wage and they can give all the money back if they want to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but earn a little bit of money. Oh, that's cool. The next one are people who, who really get their first big job and they realize that they're putting money away in their 401k or maybe they're thinking about should they be putting money in their 401k. Sure. Can they have kids? How many kids can they have? Mm-hmm. Um, how much house can they buy? Or yeah. if you have to buy, if you've decided that you really have to buy a house, um, what is that going to do to your financial plan? Because right. it's so outrageously expensive in the Bay Area. Exactly. And a lot of the times, there's not a good financial way to buy a house and have multiple kids. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a reality. It's just uh, you have to earn an absurd amount of money. Yeah. The other ones that I do are more hourly, like oh, okay. uh, what should I be investing in? I have a little bit of money and I know that I should put it somewhere and I've been told I should put it in an index fund. You know, that's kind of, yeah. that's the one I hear yeah. most often. Let it ride, set it and for sometimes you. people are just like, I have so much student debt yeah. or so much debt. How do, what's the best way to get out of that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a good debt person in general because I, I'm not a debt counselor. Sure. There are official people who have official jobs and official mm-hmm. licenses and they have 
a lot more access to information that I don't have. But if you pretty much know you want, don't want to do debt consolidations and you don't want to do bankruptcy and you don't want to do any of these other things that are more sophisticated, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, then I can certainly help you with just with the strategy part. Gotcha. Most Very of those good. people, if they're really buried in it, should probably talk to an official credit counselor. Your practice is na- mainly fee-only, correct? It's completely fee-only. Fee-only, yeah. completely. So meaning hourly or by the project. Okay. So fee-only has two different meanings. Um, it's a little bit conflated. Mm-hmm. One is the sort that I do where I say, here's how much I think it's going to cost you. It's usually based on the hours. If I'm going to charge this much per hour, mm-hmm. I think this project will take me 10 hours. Mm-hmm. That's the fee. Um, it doesn't always work out that way, but I still want to have people sure. to have an idea of what they're going to leave with <laughs> as yeah. the max. No, that's great. Um, and then the other fee only is uh, people who manage assets mm-hmm. and take a percentage. So if they're saying, you, if you have a million dollars, I'm going to take 1% every year. That's right. also called fee only, fee only, but that's not what I'm doing. Sure, sure. Okay, good to know. So you're not managing any assets. You're strictly working in an advisor role. Right. So what I'm trying to get people to do is be able to do things on their own. So if they mm-hmm. need to invest, I'm happy to help people figure out some mutual funds to invest in, mm-hmm. and then they have to go do it, and I yeah. want them to take ownership of it and figure out sure. how to do it, and that's not for everybody. There's a lot of people who I think don't have it. They just don't want to think about money. They mm-hmm. don't want to have to look at it. They don't, you know, um, and I have no qualms about sending those people to someone who's going to charge them. You're, you're paying someone Absolutely. to do that work for you. Right, yeah. And if you have a lot of money, you should probably be doing that anyway because right. they're, they can do a lot of more sophisticated things mm-hmm. than you can probably do and even that I can do. Right. They, can, they can buy things that you and I are not allowed to buy. True. Um, uh, and if you have more, especially three quarters of a million or a million, I feel like you should probably be thinking about having some professional management of it unless you really love to do it, which yeah. some people do. True. If you love it, great. I'm happy to be a second pair of eyes for that. Yeah, that's great. But uh, for the most part, I think people who come to me are not people who love money. So Fair enough. that's not often who I get. Yeah. So you had mentioned mutual funds um, as maybe a piece of some sort of advice that you would give, obviously conditional based on the client's particular circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that something, is that a pattern that you're adopting often or are you drawn more to those index funds, those low, um, those low fee indexes my specialty is socially responsible investing oh okay Um, and those tend to be active managers because they want to be able to so an index manager has to look at an index and they buy exactly what's in the index they're not Mm -hmm. allowed to say yeah but not that one right we don't like that company so an active manager is allowed to do that and they're allowed to buy things that they think are a little undervalued or Mm -hmm. buy more of something that they think is undervalued and less of something they might all still be in the index Mm -hmm. but they can have a lot more discretion about what they're allowed to buy and sell. Sure. So I actually like active managed funds. Um, yeah. And I think that they will prove their worth in the downturn. We shall see. Mm-hmm. In the past, I think they have. Right. Um, depending on the fund, obviously. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of people who come in and they say, I think I should be buying index funds. I hear that. And they don't really know what that means. Like mm-hmm. They're just pretty sure there's an index fund out there that they can put all their money in and not think about. Right. <laughs> um, and on they, there's been some studies, I think, I don't remember them, that say that on average an index fund does better than doing it on your own Mm -hmm. Um, or some of the active managers uh, if you're doing separate account management not mutual funds so much I think so the problem with that word is average on average Mm -hmm. you know on average lots of funds are terrible Mm -hmm. Um, so there are definitely terrible active managers out there right so I would see how an index fund would be better than that okay yeah Um, so yeah you just have to sort of look at their track record see what their philosophies are right I like the socially responsible funds that are active also because they are 
when they buy something that you're probably not as happy with, the funds that I use tend to have stuff in them that are not what you think of as green or clean. You know, there's mm. Wells Fargo or something in there. Sure. Um, and But they're doing it mindfully. They're saying, we want to be at the table. We want to use our shares to try to suggest to the CEO that this is not the best way to go. Oh, great. Um, so yeah. some people that doesn't do, they just want to have no part of these different industries. Um, but I think that it's more powerful to have money in there if you can have a say. Ah, that's wonderful. I've never really thought about that influencer factor of being a voter, uh, you know, with you know, stock holding voter essentially on a board like that. Yeah, that's that's the most important part of the socially responsible, in my opinion. Right. There's a lot of the index funds or that are green index funds or something mm-hmm. like that, and all they've done is taken out weapons and gambling, and it's very sort of a passive yeah. um, way of doing it, which is great. I mean, if you sure. don't want to be owning sweatshops, mm-hmm. I completely stand behind you for not wanting to own sweatshops. Mm-hmm. And certainly, yeah, certainly there's a case to be made that 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 they're voting with their dollar in that sense, yeah. and they're still influencing I'm totally change. Behind but, it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No. Agreeing there. Um, Great. So how did you get involved in the socially responsible investing and and things like that? Well, I got involved in finance at all just because I needed a job and I stumbled into a job at Dean Witter. Okay. Um, And Dean Witter was merged with Maureen Stanley and the culture change there was pretty big. So uh, I decided I needed to leave and my stepdad at the time was working for a boutique socially responsible investing firm in Berkeley. Okay. He was actually... uh, doing his CFP hours there, so mostly oh, volunteer. Wow. He said, you know, they're looking for an office manager. And awesome. that's how I ended up there. I took a pay cut because I figured it was worth it to have a job that I didn't hate, um, and I wouldn't have to take BART anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just worth a lot to me. <laughs> um, that was even back then. I don't know how people take BART every day now. It's worse. Yeah, it seems like the perfect thing for you, honestly, with the uh, with the financial background that you had, and then also, you know, your your philosophical disposition and, and wanting to do good, you know, that seems That's like a true, and bit. I grew up, you know, a hippie kid of back to the land, oh, counterculture people up in Mendocino County. So oh, cool. This already feels yeah. like selling out, honestly, but um, <laughs> I, I think that's the way to You're go. way I ahead think, of the I think, Yeah, I think trying to, like, completely live off the grid and is a little bit burying your head in the sand. I mean, sure. you can do what you can do, and I don't know. The trick is always to figure out how to use... The system's tools, I guess, in a way against the system or to to Mm -hmm. change the system in a way that you like. Because capitalism doesn't need to be this kind of rapacious, destructive force that it is in this country. It's just unchecked right now. Yeah. Um, And I think it could be used for good, honestly. Maybe that's naive, but I still think it could be used for good. Uh, And so how do you make things go that direction without being subverted yourself Mm -hmm. into using the the system's values, Mm -hmm. taking them on on yourself? Mm -hmm. I haven't solved that. Yeah, I feel like it's a constant, constant thing. If you if you're immersed in something, it's hard to not adopt the culture of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who who would you credit for bringing you into this business, and why and why do you stay? For social responsible investing, I would say Lincoln Payne. Oh really? Yeah, he was the person who Great hired man. me, and it was a very funny job interview because I had to leave after an hour. I was like, look, I have to be at work. <laughs> yeah. Because he he likes to tell stories. We started getting involved in. <laughs> In like our backgrounds and our feelings on voting and hunting and, and all sorts oh, of things that have nothing to do with our job. Um, <laughs> and he's a great storyteller, too. He's, he's a lot of fun. Yeah. He's, um, and he's got a very interesting background, and he was very patient about teaching me how to do things. I started out as the office manager, and at the time, the office was really small, and so that meant doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I'm glad of that because now it's more segregated out. And the person mm-hmm. who's doing payroll is not the person doing the planning right. at the time it was. Oh, okay. Interesting. So I learned a lot um, on the fly. Nice. And he's very good about hearing people out even when they're idiots, mm. which I was for sure. It's <laughs> a learning say, curve. Yeah, there's definitely a learning curve. And he would, I would say, this is why I think this. And he'd be like, oh. Well, I can see why you would think that, but here's my experience. You know, oh. it was very sort of gentle very and gracious. like, oh, for yeah. Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he was a great, great person to be mentored under. Oh, that's great. So easy to stay once you kind of, in a sense, hooked your wagon to, to Lincoln. You know, it's uh, he's a good he's a good leader, a good boss, and uh, and just a good person from what yeah, I could gather. Yeah, we still go on walks, and he's oh, retired, but right. for the most part, I think he's doing a little bit of this and that but good for the most okay. part he's out of out of the brokerage business that he was doing right makes sense very nice so wh- what is your favorite part of what you do my favorite part is talking to clients about how they can get the stuff done that they want to get done okay yeah um and i'm not always great at giving people hope but sometimes i really am they come in and they say this is never going to work and i'll be like no it's totally doable yes yeah. let's, let's just do this and this and they'll be like oh it's even if it, that this and this is hard, it's sure. within their realm doing it. Uh-huh. Um, and my favorite probably is to help people figure out how to do things that are a little bit off the beaten path. Yeah. You know, if they, they want to retire and they're going to open a yoga retreat or something. Oh, cool. That's, that's fun. Up know? in Mendocino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be beautiful. Um, awesome. So what what's the, if you could drill it down, what would you say is the most common mistake you see clients making? And what's... I let's say the most common solution you'd provide in that scenario. I'm not sure about a common mistake. I think one of the ones that I mentioned before was coming in and saying, "Okay, I need an index fund." Oh right. You know, yeah. So that's mm-hmm. I appreciate Jack Bogle and his index fund. It was revolutionary. It was revolutionary. Yeah. I feel like it's been maybe oversold a little bit. Sure. Um, and you know, no, it's it's very frustrating. I have to stay off the internet forums because I'm listening to twenty year olds give seventy year olds advice on how they need to be handling the retirement. And uh-huh. It's just like, ah. uh, and the answer is always get an index fund. Right. right. Um, just put it in an index fund. I'm uh-huh. like, does anyone here remember two thousand eight? And the answer is no, because they're twenty years old, right? So, and they're like, oh, that was just bad luck. I'm like, that was good luck. It went down and it came right back up. I mean, look at oh the seventies. That went down and stayed down, and it was right. hard for a long time. Right. Right. Unless you had the money to be the lender and have bonds where you can have a nice 14% bond kicking out all the time, which you can't do now. All right. I mean, even a more um, modern example is Japan. Still. Right. I hope we don't get there. years. Yeah. You know, I had really hitched my wagon to the idea that um, immigrants were going to keep our, in, our, our economy going well. Yeah. And I... The anti-immigrant sentiment here, I think, is economically idiotic. Right. <laughs> I mean, besides the unethical part of it and the immorality of it, mm-hmm. it's just, especially California. I mean, our whole country runs on immigrants. Right. Um, and they have kids, and we need kids, mm-hmm. and we need them to put money into Social Security and mm-hmm. <laughs> buy things and go to school. And, right. Um, so I'm not quite sure what will happen if we actually manage to close borders. I don't think that will happen in the long term, but... We may have turned off so many foreigners. I know a lot of foreigners who won't come here at all anymore because they don't want to have the risk of getting, you know, pulled aside when they come in, yeah. even if they're people that we really want here. You know, they're educated, right. well off. Mm-hmm. You know, all the all the things that you would think that you would want to have. Mm-hmm. We we didn't have to put a dime into their education. We can still have them and sure. know they were getting hassled too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's very short sighted. With that said, I mean, are you still? 
recommending U.S. based equities when you're talking when you're in those discussions, or are you thinking maybe more international play because of immigration policy and things like that, and just the way the country's headed? You know, I'm still I I'm a big fan of diversification, mm-hmm. but I would say a big chunk is still in U.S. equities. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rest of the world is still happy to invest in them for the moment. Right. China is still investing in them. I mean, we're we're doing our best to undermine our our foothold in the in the world so far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, while we're calling countries shithole countries, China is right. going over there and building soccer stadiums for free. Right. To say, hey, you know, we're great. You should buy our stuff. And, yeah. Aren't we a nice country? A little goodwill so, goes a long way. Right, and we're losing. We had we had a lot of goodwill for a long time, mm-hmm. despite some of our international philosophies. Right. Um, and we're managing to get rid of whatever little bits that we had. Mm-hmm. So I think people, even if even if the borders open up, people may not want to come anymore. Sure. Hopefully I'm wrong. I love the macro discussion, but let's bring it a okay. little bit more micro <laughs> again. And that's not a slide against our... You know where that conversation yeah, was going. I, you know, I'm not educated on that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hobbyist for sure. No, same, macro. same, same, same. I, I just want to get your perspective on where you think the financial services industry is going in the next five to ten years when it comes to interpersonal, um, you know, client advisor relationships. Well, we've got a really big class split, mm-hmm. and I think the financial industry is going to rec- are going to reflect that. Okay. Um, so people yeah. like me are going to be working with people who are nine to fiver mm-hmm. sorts of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think my style of business is gonna be what most people want. I mean, yeah. younger people tend to be much more comfortable with the tech and they're comfortable doing the research on, on investing and they just want someone to help them with the stuff that they're not sure about. Sure. Um, and they want someone to have a second pair of eyes to make sure they're not doing something that seems silly for some reason they haven't thought of because they're not professionals. Right. But the information is out there. So really all I am is an information filter. Yeah. I mean, the information is like a tidal wave. You just it's too drowning much. In it. And right. so they want to come to me to have, tell them what parts to ignore. Completely. Um, and then the people who are really, really rich, which there are quite a few in the Bay Area, need to go to somebody else and they're going to still do full service. Basically, people will yeah. pay your bills for you. Oh my gosh. Go buy your car it's for like you. Concierge. Concierge, right. Stuff. There's that I'm okay. seeing a little bit more of that going on. Wow. For people who are if you are making a million dollars a year, it's yeah. you're doing that because you don't have time. You're mm. devoting your life to the country. I mean, I, there's That's exceptions obviously. Yeah. But um, you're gonna need to have a stay at home mm-hmm. wife or husband because mm-hmm. you can't do all that. Um, and they, right. they need to support to be able to, it's not a luxury to have that, it's part of your job. You need to have someone who's Completely. handling all the stuff that's not your job. Right. Either you got to hire it, which is more expensive than marrying it. <laughs> Not true. always. Um, uh, yeah. So I think that's for really rich people. They're going to maybe go that direction, and then for the rest of us, uh, yeah. we'll be doing more sort of as they needed, as needed financial stuff. Oh, that's great. Me, that's my guess. Perfect. So with that said, I mean, it sounds like you see ample opportunity in the future. I mean, given the way the class breakdown is occurring, especially here in the Bay Area. What sort of opportunities and challenges are you most looking forward to? I grew up not knowing anything about money at all. Mm. You're supposed to spend it all. You're going to be dead tomorrow, mm-hmm. probably. Um, mm. That young, they have a good-looking corpse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I really love teaching people about money, and a lot of people don't know about it. Uh, and I feel like the radio station's financial reports if anything, make it sound harder than it should be. Couldn't agree you know? more. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like there's a high priesthood of finance and you're supposed to like get into it and otherwise you're screwed. That is a great um, analogy, yeah. So I would like to help 
I'm looking forward to helping more and more people figure out that they don't need to think about all that stuff. There's lots of stuff that you can do mm -hmm. to take care of yourself without having to turn over your your brain and your emotions, emotions and everything <laughs> to some other firm that's going to charge you one and a half percent or more. Yeah, or just letting people feel like they have some control if they decide to turn it over to someone who's charging them. At least know what they're doing right. and why. You know, mm -hmm. and, and they can look at it with a critical eye because otherwise, once in a while, I get people who. Um, at City of Berkeley's and it's Berkeley Unified sometimes says this. So they sort of uh, allow people to talk to their to their employees, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not convinced the people who allow them to do that and who vet them know what they're doing mm -hmm. because the stuff that they're selling is impenet impenetrable to me often, which is a bad sign. Mm -hmm. And if it's impenetrable to me, then and it's more so to the to the employees, they probably shouldn't be investing it. Um, yeah. So just having someone who I feel like is on your side of the table. Right. Right. It's pretty valuable. No, there's, you know, awesome. people are trying to get money from you and sometimes it's legit and sometimes it isn't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you oh, mentioned answer the question actually. No. <laughs> anyway, there'll be a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. So you mentioned that you grew up not knowing anything about money. Is that what you said? Yeah. I didn't want to twist yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, it reminded me of a question that I heard this one advisor asks each and every one of uh, his or her clients, I couldn't remember exactly who the advisor was, but it's, what was your first memory of money? And I wanted to incorporate that into this interview process because I think that's just, especially coming from that background where you didn't have necessarily the full, you know, the full stack idea of what, of what money is or what it could do. Mm -hmm. What do you, do you recall what your first memory was? You can take no, some we lived on welfare. That. Okay. Um, so a lot of our stuff was, you know, getting lentils and mm -hmm. um, things like that. You know, it was uh, money was something that rich people had. Hmm. It was a little, it was a little vague actually on where that was because it was, um, it was also an us against them in a funny way. At least in my family, yeah. where if you had money, then you were not cool somehow. Yeah. I don't, I don't quite actually get it. They say that people's. I, I read somewhere that people's money ideas are set by the time they're four. Isn't that fascinating? Um, and it's not exactly money it's scarcity like mm. is your reward connected with your effort mm -hmm. is your are you going to have it tomorrow like if you do a lot of work is it going to pay off mm -hmm. so working around these kinds of mindsets is something that i like to do because i don't think you can change that easily right um, and so you might as well set things up so that despite your screwed up money ideas that you got when you were four you mm -hmm. can still be okay when you retire yeah. So for a lot of us, like for, for me, I, I tend to spend everything down to zero mm -hmm. in my bank account. I just know that I do that. Mm -hmm. So I have to make sure that I have paid my bills, put money in my savings, mm -hmm. put money in my retirement, mm -hmm. and then whatever's left, I'm allowed to spend down to zero. Nice. I'm be that kind of idiot. <laughs> but um, it's frustrating to me to see people just think they're going to will themselves into yeah. doing the right thing. It's sort of like losing weight, I think, a little bit. Like you're going to lose weight and you're just going to live on... Grapefruit, I'm like, you're, but you're not. You know, like eventually, <laughs> grapefruit cheat. is not a sustainable right. way to make it. You no. know, and 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 there's always one person that's managed to make it work, and so that's your goal is to be like mm -hmm. Bob over there who has lived on grapefruit for 20 years now. Look mm -hmm. at him. Right. Um, but that's not most of us, and I don't think it should be fair to feel bad about yourself for not doing something that is a very peculiar thing that our species isn't good at. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, wow. So. Fascinating. So you're kind of having to put on a psychologist, or maybe I shouldn't use such an institutionalized word, but um, more of like a counselor role, I guess, uh, in a sense, when you're having yeah. these conversations with your clients. It often can be. I don't feel like I'm very good at that. Um, <laughs> but it, it does end up, I yeah. mean, one of the things that comes up a lot is people's estate. 
Oh, they yes. want to leave money to their kids, but they don't want to tell the kid that they're leaving them out because mm. this other kid needs the money. And, oh, shoot. and I'm like, you know what? You are setting your kids up to never speak to each other again. Is that what you want? So I mean, true. you know, but they don't want to have the awkward confrontation about, yeah, yeah, but he's got special needs. I'm like, well, then just talk about it. Yeah. You know, so some of that stuff, I feel like I'm, I'm out of my depth, but I feel like I have to talk about no, it. No, I think um, I, that's perfectly in your purview. I mean, you see, well, like I just don't be... feel like I'm good at it. At yeah, all. Fair <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with you? No, that's not how to do that. But, um, cause I understand where they're coming from. Right. I mean, nobody wants to have conversations. And if you're from a wasp background, you certainly don't want to have those conversations. Right. That's just against the culture. Yeah, no, completely. Um, I'm sure it's against other cultures too, but that one is the one I'm most familiar with. And it's very, prevail- um, what's the word I'm looking for? Prevailing is not the right word, but something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Knowing what you know today, what would you have done differently if you're just starting out? Starting out in my own business or starting out in finance in general? Uh, I want to know what you'd do different if you were starting in finance in general. I don't think I would do anything different. No, same play? Yeah. Dean Witter? Dean, Dean Witter was fun to work for. Awesome. Yeah, cool. my, my colleagues were hilarious and my bosses were wonderful. They were both women that had worked their way up yeah. through the system, through the legal, I was a paralegal oh, cool. back then. Or executive assistant, paralegal, slash, oh, nice. you know, one of those. Um, and uh, working for two women in that position when they had worked their way up through the Mad Men era, mm, basically. Yeah. They were great. They had a. They were able to swim in those waters and still have enough detachment to realize yeah. the screwed up things that were still screwed up. Because oh, that was a very awesome. sexist right. environment still. You know, it's a little bit of the boiler room leftover mm-hmm. bits. Mm-hmm. It was an online brokerage spinoff. So the people who okay. came to our department were ones that were already a little more creative and willing to take risks gotcha. because it was really brand new. It was the very, yeah. very first. It was 1997. Wow. Um, Definitely they, unproven. <laughs> yeah. The Lombard was the company and Dean Winter bought Lombard. Got it. Um, and they were still working things out. It was like IPO lands all over the place oh, and yeah. they were working that out. And mm-hmm. uh, wow. I was really grateful to have them as my as my bosses. And then I was actually working for someone sort of in between. The department was tiny, so we were all working together. But mm-hmm. uh, He's the one who got me the job, and it was just by dumb luck. I came home wow. from college after my apartment burned down, and oh my turned gosh. out that they needed some help. Yeah, and that's how I ended up there. Wow, even I had no background at all. Which so, apparently was a selling point to my bosses because they didn't want any more business majors. <laughs> <laughs> Saturated. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, okay, so, but you, you asked uh, if you, you wanted to talk about starting at the beginning of your financial soiree or if you uh, wanted to address what you would do differently at uh, in starting your business over again. So maybe that's a different answer. Is there something yeah, that well, you would try? Yeah, well, it's just more practical, logistical stuff. Like, I would get okay. an office a lot quicker. Oh, sure. You know, I yeah. worked out of my house and that didn't work for me at all. Oh, fair out. enough. I, mean, I, I know it works for some people. Mm-hmm. For me, I was thinking, well, I'll just take a little break and weed the garden and mm-hmm. take a little break. Oh, it's tea time. I think I'll make some scones. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah. I just, it didn't work out for me that well. Yeah. Um, no, so I'm, I sort of, through one thing and another, had to get an office really quick mm-hmm. and um, it was great. Mm-hmm. That, that was also good because I couldn't dither about things. I couldn't be like, I don't know, this color, that color. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I mean, I can over, over a paralysis yeah. by analysis is my specialty. Right. Uh, so I, I didn't have time for any of that, and yeah. that worked out really oh, well. Good. So um, where is your office? It's in Albany. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, great. It's actually a nice location because there's parking. Yeah. Ooh. And it's not Berkeley parking. <laughs> um, and it's right near Solano where there's lots of good places to eat. Oh, yeah, that's great. So it's a fun, awesome. fun Hot spot. Area. Yeah. Kind of unknown to people who are not 
in that region, I feel like. Oh, is that true? I think so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of Marinites are totally unaware of what Albany has to offer. Oh, I'm surprised to hear it. Yeah. They seem like they would go together. I, you would think. Yeah. But. Well, if you're in East Bay, East Bay, you know about it because the schools are good. And that's true. That's where it comes up always. Yeah. Well, I like Albany a lot. All right. So last question I've got for you today, last prepared question is, what do you want your clients to say to themselves or their peers after working with you? That one seems hard to me. <laughs> I guess I would hope to say, hope they'd say that I was super honest and that I had their best interests at heart yeah. and that they were had more clarity when they came out than when they came in Right. and that I could be a resource for them in the future if they had quick questions or long questions. I'm just yeah. I'm happy to... If it turns out I'm not a good fit for them, I'm happy to help them find somebody who is a good fit. Awesome. I think everyone needs to have financial advice in their life. Yeah. And it's hard to find someone who will give you non-biased advice if you're mostly looking on the internet, especially. <laughs> so true. You just can't see the agendas behind all those internet, right. you know, words. Well, and speaking of such, um, this is my chance to plug the Form ADV. Yeah. So the Form ADV is a disclosure form that every financial entity is supposed to hand out when they start services with oh. a client. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, maybe not insurance, but anyway, brokers and... and financial advisors um, and in that it tells you who's paying them so you can look through it and 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 it, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have money coming in from other sources but you want to know what they are and just bear that in the back of your mind if you're getting a lot of pushes towards one particular product or not if, if that product's paying them so it will tell That's you it even is supposed to tell uh, any part-time jobs you have any other affiliations you have mm. Um, they're a little looser if your job has nothing to do with finance. So I was doing some, when I first started, I did some landscaping. I put mm -hmm. that on there, but it turned out these days you don't have to. At the time oh, nice. you did. Okay. Um, but anything having to do with finance at all. So wow. if you're getting a part-time gig doing back office for somebody, you have to write that in there. So wow, okay. It's very, it's a useful, it's a, it's a dense document often, and I feel like sometimes it's dense on purpose yeah. to make it harder to understand. Yeah, sure. But, um People should be, you know, you look at it and you get this big old boilerplate and you're like, okay, and you throw it away or something, which is right. normally what happens to it. But I think it's actually a very useful document. That's good to know. I'm going to have to go check my files, see if I've seen those in the past. <laughs> well, and if the entity has any material change, they're supposed to send you a new one every year. Oh, So you don't have to do it every year anymore mm -hmm. unless something's changed about their company. Mm -hmm. But often things have changed. Yeah. You know, it's a little, as far as the SEC is concerned or... Department of Business Oversight and what counts as a change to them is a different than what would count as a change to a client sometimes. Well, that's fascinating. This whole conversation has been really great. Where can uh, the listeners find more information about your business and um, how to get in touch with you? Um, I have a website. It's cruisefinancialstrategy.com. It's unwieldy. Um, Cruise is K-R-U-S-E. Beautiful. Uh, that's probably a good place to start. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know our listeners really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. And thanks for coming to Plan Francisco. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed. Please be sure to subscribe and visit us again soon here at Plan Francisco.